Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Good morning, everyone. Really good to be with you. You can have a seat and take off your mask while you're sitting. Uh, if you're uh, just joining with us this week, or maybe you've connected with us in the past few weeks, we've been going through this series on prayer uh, that's called Teach Us to Pray, and we've been working almost verse by verse through the Lord's Prayer and looking at how Jesus teaches his disciples to pray and learning what it means to be shaped by this prayer. And as we move through the series, one of the things that's really important for us to learn, and maybe you've begun to pick up on this, that the point of learning this prayer isn't just to learn new ideas. Like, it's not just to learn new concepts or ideas or thoughts about God, but to allow it to actually then begin to shape in, in us into certain kinds of people who are being reoriented towards God's ways. Jesus gives us this prayer to teach us to be shaped by God's ways, to stay centered on his will and his desires for us, and uh, what it looks like to be part of his kingdom. Uh, as some of you know, about six months ago, my wife and family and I moved back to Montreal. My wife Jasmine and I both grew up here. And six months ago, we moved back to be part of the 180. And uh, around that time, just a couple of months into being here, I uh, didn't want to admit this, but at one point, we came to the warehouse, and on the way home, I got lost. Completely lost, and uh, was heading home, and just found myself going down the road. And uh, so, come talk to me after if you maybe are trying to figure out how to come back to the, the warehouse, or maybe you've been here and you've you've gotten lost coming here or leaving, come talk to me to stroke my bruised ego a little bit. I always thought I was good at directions, uh, but got completely lost. And the worst part is I got lost while I had a GPS on my phone right in front of me. Easily the most embarrassing part, and my wife was in the car. I'll use her as an excuse. I was distracted by her. Um, but I, it was a reminder, always distracted by her, but it was just a, a reminder that even though I had this GPS, in front of me, the phone right there, the coordinates were in, the blue line was there to follow, that somehow I still got distracted, I still followed just the flow of traffic and these other signs that got me just completely off course. Uh, and it was just this realization, you know, as we're thinking about learning to pray and as we're looking at the Lord's Prayer and how it kind of guides us as signposts and gives shapes to all our prayers, that it's not enough just to gain knowledge about this prayer that we also have to let it shape the direction of our lives, to reorient our desires and, and to be shaped by God's ways. We have to make it, let it make sense of our surroundings to allow it to guide us in the right direction and where God's leading us. And as we've been moving through this prayer, we've been moving from the beginning of this prayer so far, uh, which focuses on God. If you remember, we pray, Our Father in heaven, Holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. We've been focusing on, on that first part, and then last week we moved to really focus on how now that gives shape to us, to, the focus goes to us, and how that gives shape to our own lives and our own relationships with each other. 
And last week, Pastor Dom talked about how uh, the order of this prayer is not an accident, that it's really important that our focus is first on God before it then shifts to us, because we're meant to see our lives as flowing out of who God is and what He's doing. And nowhere is this more true than in this next verse, this line of the prayer that we're going to really look at and kind of study this week. And it says this, it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Jesus places this verse right in the middle of this prayer. Why does he do that? Why is this idea of forgiveness so important that he has to put it right in the middle of this prayer that he taught us to pray? Maybe you're looking at this line and you're thinking what I thought before, like, how, why does this even have to be here at all? Can't we just take it out? Like, can't we just go back to that first, that part about uh, a loving father? That was way easier to rest there. And the reason why this line is so important for us to be shaped by and to pray is because forgiveness is actually at the very heart of who God is. Forgiveness is not just something that he does, but that it's part of his very nature. That by his nature, he is a forgiving and gracious and merciful God. And this truth about God's character comes up many times in the Old Testament. The people of Israel know that this is who God is, the God that they worship. In fact, if you've been coming out maybe to our Bible study that we've been doing on Tuesdays, uh, we've been looking at the book of Jonah. And in the book of Jonah, Jonah is a prophet in the Old Testament who knows and who testifies to the fact that God is a gracious and merciful God. And yet at the same time, he actually doesn't like that God is gracious and merciful. Here's what Jonah says about God towards the end of the book that we're going to get to in later weeks in our Bible study. It says this. It says, So he complained to the Lord about it. He said, Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This, that is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. See, Jonah, for us, is an example of somebody who can be so trained in the knowledge of God, so trained in the fact that God is gracious and compassionate and merciful, and yet at the same time not let themselves be shaped by that truth. As we look at this line of forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gives us, Jesus puts this line in the middle of the prayer to remind us that not only is forgiveness right at the heart of who God is, and what he's doing, but that we're also to pray for our lives to be shaped by God's character in a way that his forgiveness begins to flow into our own relationships with one another. This is one of the hardest things that Jesus calls us to do. To move from simply accepting that God is a forgiving God to letting that be shaped in our own relationships. And uh, one Christian author named C.S. Lewis, a uh, famous author, captures this idea really well in this line uh, that we'll have up where he, he says, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Isn't that so true? Such a simple but such, such a true line. That forgiveness sounds so good to us in theory, that even just the idea that God is a forgiving God sounds so good until we're reminded that we have to actually live this out. Until we're reminded of maybe our own hurt and the messiness of this world and our own broken relationships that we have with one another. Jesus teaches his disciple to pray this prayer of forgiveness because he knows 
the temptation that we all face whenever our, our relationships get too hard or too messy. And it's this, that it's easier for us to just disconnect or to just tune out. Now, it's really important to note that I share that, that, that God's forgiveness doesn't mean uh, just, just tolerating. It doesn't mean just learning to tolerate someone else's bad behavior. And uh, we're not called to just tolerate or put up with relationships, especially if they're really unhealthy. And it's important to set up proper boundaries and to, to seek help in those situations. But at the same time, and, and outside of those scenarios, learning to be shaped by God's forgiveness means we can't just disconnect as soon as we hit any bump in the road or any negativity in a relationship. We live in a world that's all about seeking positivity and avoiding any kind of negativity at all costs. And it's so tempting for us to then apply this idea to our relationships. That as soon as there's any kind of negativity that we don't like about somebody, something we don't like about someone, we decide that it's time to disconnect or to just tune them out or maybe to move on. My, uh, my daughters do this, or I'm reminded of this, uh, with something that they do in the car when we, whenever we play the radio. Uh, usually when we're driving in the car together, my wife Jasmine and I'm usually driving, and our girls, our three girls, sit in the back, and we take out our phones, and we connect them to the car, and we just play whatever song they want. Like, we have an app that we have access to any, any song that they love, and so they'll sit in the back, and we'll start, you know, they'll make a, one of them will make a request, and then we'll be like, ah, I don't like this song next, or this one's too long, or I don't like this beat, this beat sucks, play the next one. And uh, every once in a while, just to throw them off, uh, my wife and, and I will play the radio. I don't know if anyone actually uh, still here plays, or maybe you don't even have a radio in your car anymore. It's that little spot in the dash in the middle. You know, if you don't have that big tablet in the way, there's still a radio there. You can listen to sports, you know, house radio, all that stuff. But so every once in a while, we'll play it, and we'll play music for them. And it drives them nuts when we do this. Because inevitably, right away, they start going, ah, this song sucks, skip it, play the next one. Or I don't like this beat, just go to the next. And, you know, we can, they quickly find out, like, that while you can change the stations, you only have so many before you run out of stations. And that they're, they, they, you're stuck with the songs that are just playing at the time. And so it drives them crazy. They lose their minds. And so instead of wanting to listen to the music at all, they just prefer that we just shut it off. Like, they're just done. Can you imagine if we treated our relationships like my daughters treat the radio? <laughs> Could you imagine? I'm sure many of us would like to do that, right? We'd love to be able to just have an off switch, or at least like a turned-down volume on some people. An off button for people that we don't like, or for any kind of negativity. Maybe it's like, oh, my son lied to me again. Time to throw him out, and let's just get a new one. Or my husband, you know, forgot to do that thing that I asked him to do, or my wife, so time to just shut them off. Or my coworker was gossiping behind my back again. Time to just move on to a new job. When it comes to the importance of learning to forgive one another, it's so tempting for all of us to just disconnect. Jesus, in giving us this Lord's Prayer and teaching us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of one another, or the sins, those who sin against us. He's saying that you will now learn to be the kinds of people who aren't more disconnected, but who learn to be more connected with each other. You will learn to be the kinds of people who trust how God wants to shape you, even in those places of pain and of brokenness and of difficulty and negativity. Where in your own relationships, maybe are you tempted to just disconnect? Where do you find yourself being tempted to 
disconnect or walk away or to tune someone out when a relationship gets too difficult or too messy. Maybe this week as you learn to pray this part of the Lord's Prayer, God is asking you to just pay attention to those situations, those areas of your relationships where instead of disconnecting, he wants you to learn to lean in, to connect and to be present and to trust in his strength to forgive. Last week, if you remember, Pastor Dom shared about how Jesus gives us this prayer to learn not to be less human, but to be more human. That that's one of the things that this prayer does in us. That those who pray learn to resist this temptation to just disconnect, to quickly dismiss or label others or even demonize them for their own sins or their own mistakes. And instead to learn to love and forgive those even in their own brokenness. Now, just like for us, this prayer of forgiveness takes a lot of, we'll see, takes a lot of time to develop in the lives of the uh, disciples of Jesus. They will really struggle to make sense of what it means for their own relationships to be, to be shaped by God's forgiveness and what it means that Jesus has now given them this line in the Lord's Prayer. And one day, as Peter, uh, who's one of Jesus' closest disciples, as he's struggling to make sense of this prayer that Jesus has given them, Peter asks Jesus a question. Here's what he says. He says that Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Peter approaches Jesus because he wants to know exactly what's required of him in order to forgive someone. Peter is saying, okay, Jesus, if I'm going to take this prayer seriously and learn to forgive others, exactly how demanding is that actually going to be? And Peter's question here really represents so many of our own questions about forgiveness and what that would look like in our lives and our relationships. Questions like, where do I have to actually draw the line at forgiving someone? Or is it going to be hard? How long will it take? And what if they already did this to me? Or what if I forgive them and then they do this again? Or I guess I can, can forgive them, but if I do, can I just like make them suffer just for a little bit before I forgive them? Or can I forgive them and then just hold this grudge for a little while? When it comes to forgiveness, we all have questions. And there's nothing wrong with those questions and asking them and wrestling through them. But at a certain point, Jesus invites us to be shaped by our prayers in a way that we can move beyond those questions. What questions do you have about forgiveness? What question maybe would you ask God if you had a chance to? as you think about your own relationships in your life. This week I got a little lost in my own, as I was thinking about this message and preparing, I got a little lost in my own questions about forgiveness and just with the ideas of it, what it means, what it means for me, all the ins and outs, and I realized at a certain point that I got stuck in that and that Jesus was inviting me, God kind of invited me to go, you know, just, just leave that, look what I'm doing. That to understand my forgiveness, that it flows from me, that you are not the center of the story. But pay attention to the greater story of what I am doing and how forgiveness is unfolding in you and in the world. As Peter and his disciples will continue to struggle later to understand and to be shaped by this prayer of forgiveness, as they continue to wrestle with their own questions of how this is all going to work, Jesus is going to model for them what God's forgiveness looks like when he goes to the cross. As Jesus goes to the cross, it is the place where Peter and the other disciples are going to realize that all their questions about forgiveness no longer matter as much as they thought they did. 
where they're going to realize that God's forgiveness is so much bigger than all of their questions, that it's so much bigger than anything that they could have imagined. The cross will be the place where God shows what it means that he's a gracious and forgiving God and what his forgiveness looks like through what Jesus does. And in Luke's gospel, Luke uh, records that as Jesus is dying on the cross, as he, as he was uh, arrested and seized and beaten and goes to the cross and he's dying and he's suffering, that in his dying words, Jesus prays this prayer. He says, Father, forgive them. Jesus, in this moment when he's on the cross, and when he's at the center of God's will, as we talked about before, that he prays this prayer of forgiveness right at the point, right at the moment where God's love meets the pain and the brokenness of our world. It's at this moment where God connects in the deepest possible way with our own brokenness and through that offers his forgiveness. And it's from the cross that God's forgiveness will now flow out to the world. It's from this moment of this prayer that God, Jesus prays and this act of forgiveness that God's kingdom will now begin to spread and to set people free, to experience his peace and his love and his goodness. Yesterday, as I was uh, just sitting, sitting in my office and looking out the window, and I was thinking about just, just the, the rain. It rained really hard today in, in Montreal. Uh, maybe you experienced that too. And normally I don't like the rain, but as I looked out, I saw just that it was raining so hard that uh, on my street it was beginning to wash away some dead leaves. And I thought about how dry it's been and that the rain was giving new life to, to grass and, and feeding the soil. And as I was thinking about this, it reminded me of this important image in the Bible for when God's goodness and God's kingdom begins to spread to the world. And it's the image of a river, of a flowing river. And this image of a river is a powerful image of how, because of what Jesus did, God's kingdom is now flowing out like a river, giving new life to dry places, restoring broken relationships, sweeping away the deadness and the dryness of this world. Because of the cross, Jesus is saying there are no limits to God's forgiveness. There's no amount of sin and nothing that you can do that can stop my kingdom from flowing out into the world. And now, because of what I've done, as you learn to forgive one another, it will be shaped by this reality that my kingdom is spreading, that my kingdom is overflowing from this place of forgiveness. Your ability to forgive will no longer be defined by your own questions or your own feelings or your own limitations. You will now be those whose forgiveness flows from me and from what I did, and it will be shaped by my kingdom and this bigger story of what I'm doing. Maybe as you hear that, you're still thinking, yeah, but that's Jesus. I'm not Jesus. How could I ever forgive like that? I know I feel that way often. And the gospel writer, the same writer, Luke, after he records Jesus' words to forgive as he's on the cross, uh, Luke writes this gospel of Luke, and then he does volume two. He writes the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, we read about how the followers of Jesus are now going to continue Jesus' ministry as they're going to learn what it means to live out what he's done and to live out this, to be shaped by this prayer that he's given them. And in this book, Luke introduces us to a man named Stephen. 
And Stephen is going to be someone who models for us what it looks like to be shaped by God's forgiveness. When we're introduced to Stephen, we learn that he's uh, a regular, just part of the early church, just this regular guy, and he's really beginning to grow and he's maturing as a follower of Jesus. And uh, at a certain point, he's appointed to this role and he begins to share about who Jesus is. And and in doing that, he gets um, some people angry. And so there's this angry kind of mob who, who take him, who seize him, and who make accusations about him that aren't true, and they bring him before this council to make a defense to himself uh, or for himself. And in, this, in, this, in front of this council, he delivers this message that makes them even more angry. He make, makes them so angry that they drag him out of the city and they begin to stone him to death. And as they're stoning him to death, this is what he prays. It says, while we were, they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. That's so beautiful. That, G, that Stephen, in his final words, as he's being stoned to death, by an angry mob, and even though he's not guilty of any crime, he asks God to forgive them, just as Jesus would. Stephen will model for us what it looks like to be so shaped by the Lord's prayer that his dying words are of forgiveness towards the people who are killing him. Stephen is so shaped by this prayer of God's forgiveness that he understands that sin does not get the final word. That no amount of sinfulness can stop God's kingdom and God's forgiveness to spreading even to the people who are killing him. The early Christians will look to Stephen's death and to his final words as a powerful reminder for us of what it looks like to just be a regular follower of Jesus who took prayer so seriously and what it meant to be shaped by this prayer that his final words of forgiveness so closely forget, so closely reflect Jesus' words on the cross. Now, as we hear that, we're not all called to do exactly what Stephen did. He has a special place in the church, but we are called to look to him as a model for what it looks like to be a regular follower of Jesus who's so shaped by Jesus' prayer that we can learn to lean on his strength to forgive even in the most unlikely and the most difficult situations. As we learn to pray this prayer in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We're shaped into the kinds of people who learn to resist the temptation to just disconnect from the brokenness of this world and of our relationships. Who resist the temptation to just get stuck in our questions, but to be the kinds of people who are captured by the story of God's forgiveness and to allow it to to flow out like a river in our lives, to realize that what God is doing is so much bigger than ourselves. I need to be shaped by this prayer as I think of my own relationships, as I think of my marriage or my, my kids. I need to be shaped by this. How does God want to shape you through this prayer? What would it look like in your own life 
to learn to, to move past your own questions, to begin to model God's forgiveness in your relationships, to begin to model forgiveness in your, in your marriage or with your children or with your coworkers or extended family. As we learn to pray this prayer that Jesus taught us, he wants to remind you and to remind me forgiveness flows from who I am. Now go and show the people in your life what it means that my love and my kingdom is spreading to the whole world. That through my forgiveness, my love is spreading out and restoring places of brokenness and hurt. That it's bringing freedom and peace and restoration. What would that mean to to trust that that's happening in your own relationships? To be the people who are learning to trust in God's strength. To not trust in your own abilities or to be limited by your own questions, but to lean into what God is already doing. And I invite you to stand and pray together. Father God, you are a loving Father to us. And you are so, so holy. May your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives, in the lives of those around us and in this world. God, we, we thank you that you are so gracious and so merciful. And as we think of those places in our lives, of our own brokenness, of the brokenness of the relationships that we are a part of, as we look to you, would you help us to not to disconnect, but to be so connected to those relationships and in that to trust that you have a special kind of strength for us that flows out of who you are and what you've done, Jesus. That you have a kind of strength for us as we think of Stephen, as we think of those early disciples, as we think of what it means to be shaped in prayer. God, we need to be shaped by this prayer to know your forgiveness and to know that how it flows out into our relationships. Help us in our questions. As you give room for our questions, at the same time, would you help us to be, just to enter into the bigger story of what you're doing. How your kingdom is coming to restore broken relationships, dry places. God, help us to be those so shaped by this prayer that that the people around us would know your love for them. Be with us as, as we do that and as we go from here. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.